Well, over the past couple of days in our province, we have seen uh, some escalation in the outrage and the discontent that a large section of the population has with the ongoing restrictions that are in place in uh, Alberta to try and deal with this third wave of COVID cases. And uh, we've seen them wrapping up and we know now that the variants are the dominant strain and hospitalization numbers are going up and there's concerns we could end up in a similar situation to Ontario very soon and uh, nobody wants that. So uh, the Premier uh, was on the show yesterday talking about just how important it is that everybody hold together here for, you know, another six weeks, two months until the vaccinations start to tilt things in our favour. Um, it's a it's a tough sell. It is a tough sell. We know what happened at uh, Grace United Church over the course of the weekend as we've now got people coming up from other parts of the province and even right across the country to come up and uh, join in the protest of the restrictions and the uh, the different rules that have been put into place. And then uh, there was a rally held on the Alberta legislature grounds yesterday that uh, featured Maxime Bernier and some other people that have come here to take part in the protests. And uh, it got the attention of the Premier yesterday, who, if you're not on Twitter, went on a pretty good tirade against some of the things that he's seeing from these groups in our province. I'm just going to read you uh, the tweet thread from the Premier yesterday. It's um, it, it's pretty strong. Uh, he says, Yesterday a protester was arrested for shouting racial insults at a First Nations woman on Enoch Reserve. Dozens of protesters also trespassed on reserve land and Chief Morin's car was vandalized. Today, protesters at the legislature called for Dr. Hinshaw to be, quote, locked up. They also chanted, quote, just say no to vaccines. Albertans respect the freedoms of speech and protest, but breaking the law, trespassing, threats, and intimidation go too far. I condemn these actions and statements. It is increasingly clear that many involved in these protests are unhinged conspiracy theorists. Their words and actions are unacceptable. Reasonable people can disagree about the best way to respond to the pandemic, to the but spreading misinformation, conspiracy theories, and making threats is beyond the pale. It is particularly offensive to threaten a committed public servant like Dr. Hinshaw, a consummate professional who's offered the best possible health advice to government. I call on those responsible to stop the threats and the lawbreaking, which is a disservice to their own cause. So there's a statement from the Premier yesterday as he tries to clap back against this growing movement and uh, it seems to just be getting louder and louder and louder. Will it have any effect? I don't think so. I think a lot of these people are in it for the fight uh, more than anything else Um, and uh, certainly some of the people who've travelled to our part of the country uh, to take part in this are absolutely here for the fight uh, and uh, trying to make points and uh, gain a little profile by being part of what's going on. There's no question about that. I do agree with the Premier in saying things like, you know, chanting lock her up to uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Whether you agree with her or you don't agree with her, uh, we're not going to, you know, entertain the possibility of jailing people who we disagree with politically. It's absurd. Those kind of comments should be shouted down by the Premier. So I'm glad he did that. Uh, Will it sway anybody? I don't know. We're in a tough spot, as you know. We're coming apart at the seams a little bit here. The protests are becoming more and more vocal. And it's probably only going to get worse, if you think about it. This is going to be an interesting discussion. We're going to talk now about how we manage to hold this all together as we continue to move out of this phase and into the next phase, you know, the vaccinated phase, or whatever that may look like. You know, we've all heard it a million times before, right? You know, you stay home when you can, you wash your hands, you wear a mask, socially distance. We all know the drill at this point. We've heard it a thousand times, but, you know, we all don't follow it. That's another story. Uh, it certainly plays into the discussion, though. What happens to these behaviors? 
as more and more of us continue to get vaccinated. Uh, Brooke Strzok is the research director uh, at the Research Lab and recently put together a piece looking into uh, that soon-to-arrive situation and how it's going to change things for us. So he joins us now. Uh, Good morning, Brooke. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's. Uh, l- let's talk about the current state of things just to start this discussion because it certainly plays into what may happen next. There's no doubt. The, we we know that the the vast majority of the population has followed the guidelines as best they can, um, yeah. And they don't do so because of fear as punishment because there, there's really been no disciplinary action to speak of. Very very few instances. So. The people who've been doing it, it's important to understand why they've been doing it and how that's going to change. So what is the reasoning for most people following the rules at this point? Yeah, so uh, as, I, as I articulated in, in the piece that I published recently, social norms have a really important role to play here. Um, social norms, what I have in mind, is, is really just kind of these, these types of behavior or these patterns of behavior that we look around and we acknowledge are kind of expected of us um, and that we expect of others as well. Um, now, you know, listening to your, your introduction to, to this discussion, there's, there's something around, like, whose norms are we talking about mm-hmm. here? And, and group identity is an important part of that. Let me, um, let me talk a little bit about um, how group norms awfully function, and I'll kind of circle back around to that group identity part. So there are three elements that really make uh, social norms uh, tick. The first is they need to be really clear and explicit. There needs to be no ambiguity about what is expected. Um, the second is that they need to be observable. We need to be able to check that others are, are, are abiding by the norms, and others need to be able to check that we are abiding by the norms also. And the third, and this is where I think uh, you know vaccines are going to start to create some tension, is that there need to be no kind of um, plausible deniability problems or these kinds of back doors that allow us to talk our way out of it. So, you know, up until this point, um, you know, very... Uh, uh, only a small percentage of Canadians have tested positive for COVID-19. Um, but because of the problems with asymptomatic transmission and all these kinds of things, essentially we've all needed to behave as though we could be sick, we just don't know it yet. Right. Um, and the same rules have applied to all of us because we've all been in that situation. Um, so, you know, hand-washing, wearing a mask, maintaining your physical distance, all of that kind of thing. Um, they're all things that we can check uh, it's been very clear what those rules are, and there haven't been these kinds of backdoors that we can talk our way out of it to ourselves or, or to, to other people or to ourselves, you know. Um, but now we're getting into this transmission or the, the transition phase, I should say, between all of us having to pretend as though we might be second not know it yet and a future which, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if, if things are continuing nicely, we hope that later this year we'll be in that, that future where, you know, most people have been vaccinated and we can all behave as though, once again, the same rules apply. But during this middle phase where some people are vaccinated mm-hmm. and some people aren't, this creates a plausible deniability problem because, of course, just looking at someone else on the street, I can't tell whether they've been vaccinated or not. And so this kind of creates this bit of you know, questionability, like, oh, well, do the same rules apply or not? And the thing that I'm concerned about is a situation where we say, well, there's a set of rules for people who are in kind of this normal situation, which is that they haven't been vaccinated yet. Um, but we don't have kind of a backstop set of rules for people who have been vaccinated. Um, and what I'm worried about is a, a situation where people say, oh, well, if I've had my vaccine, then the rules don't apply. And there's kind of this carte blanche of, well, then anything is up for grabs, which we know is, is a really dangerous 
um, a dangerous kind of supposition. We can't have people going around as if it's carte blanche once they've had a vaccine for a host of reasons. So how do we tackle this problem? I mean, our, our, our public officials have really struggled, I think, to try and get people on board because in, in many ways the messaging has been extremely vague. Does this all come down to basically let's make this really, really clear? These are the rules and this is, you know, whether you've been vaccinated or not, you know, there's a different set of rules, but it, let's get some clarity around this. Do we need that more than anything? Yeah, so clarity is is so, so, so essential. Um, and I think that our provincial governments and our federal governments um, have done a decent job, quite a good job, I would say, about being clear around hand-washing, mask-wearing, physical distancing. Like, whether you agree with those rules or not, I, I don't think there's much question about what those rules mean in the minds of most Canadians across the country these days. We've gotten that message. It's nice and clear. Um, what we're missing now is something clear about people once they've received a vaccine. I want to put a little uh, a little parenthesis around that and say it's probably still too early in the vaccination campaign to introduce this kind of second tier of rules. Um, but if we're going to get to that situation, you know, you mentioned the, the difficulty of getting people to just kind of stick it out for that little bit mm-hmm. longer. If we're going to stick it out for that bit longer, if we're going to get to that situation where the second tier of rules become kind of available to us, we need to be able to hang tight with the situation that we're in now. And what can help us to get there is some clarity about, like, when will things change and how will they change? Knowing that there's so much that we don't know about COVID, and as we learn more, we adapt the strategies that we um, that we employ. Like, we're all, we're all grown-ups, we're adults, we recognize that we're learning more about this every day. We know that the rules are going to have to change as we learn more. That's fine. But even saying something like, there's not a second set of rules for vaccinated people now, but expect to hear from us on the day when we reach whatever percentage it is, say 50%. Yeah. We don't know what the rules are going to be now, but expect there's going to be a news conference on the day that we hit 50%, and we're going to give you an update. Just make it clear so people aren't, aren't questioning it. Um, That's right. And, and like you said, I mean, we're already seeing it. Like the CDC has come out with guidelines. So we know that the rules are different and, and people are taking advantage of that in different parts of the of the United States. If, if you're in a different area uh, in terms of, you know, level of vaccination and if everybody's been vaccinated, then you can get together and the rules don't apply or anything like that. Um, we're not there yet. Um, but when we see that happening, you know, it's like you said, that societal pressure to sort of, you know, if we're all in the same boat, it's much easier we saw back when this all started, people looking for exemptions from wearing masks because of, you know, a million different reasons and things like that. So like you said, it's the loopholes yep. that we need to close. There's really yep. no way of doing that. that. That's going to be in existence. Yeah. So, you know, people seeking exemptions and loopholes uh, is definitely something that we need to think about. Um, and something that you that you mentioned earlier on in the show, just before you brought me on, was about, um, you know, these protests and yeah. demonstrations and this kind of thing. And that speaks to another issue here that I didn't really get into in my piece, but I, I think that today is a good opportunity to delve into that a little bit more. And that's around group identity. Like when we say the social norms, well, it has to be the norms of, of my social group. Right. I have to identify with the people who are kind of articulating these norms and with the other people who are abiding by them. And one of the challenges that, we, uh, that we're that we faced with now is that there's a lot of disillusionment. And that disillusionment, you know, predates COVID. COVID certainly hasn't made it better, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, this disillusionment, disillusionment, this sense that, you know, elected officials and, and government um, 
don't always speak for us, that they're not responsive to our needs, you know, these kinds of things. Like, the cynicism really, really hurts us here because it can create these really substantial uh, rifts between different groups. Yeah, yeah, huge divides. And these are times when we really need to be pulling together to... um, to articulate a set of social norms and to articulate expectations of each other that help to rally us all together. And in fact, the early days of COVID in that respect um, actually showed some really bright lights. Mm-hmm. You know, these these instances where we saw individual citizens really going out of their way to help each other on an individual human level, neighbor to neighbor, those were so powerful in helping us to strengthen those bonds of community which ultimately have an important impact when it comes to things like social norms. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and it's changed so much, just people are so frustrated and, as you said, disillusioned. Fascinating discussion, Brooke. I really appreciate your time this morning. We'll do this again. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That is Brooke Strzok, who is the Research Director at the Decision Lab.